Good afternoon, everyone. Dr. Hinshaw and I are here today to provide our weekly update on COVID-19 in Alberta. The data we're sharing today is from Tuesday, May the 17th to Monday, May the 23rd. The peak of BA2 cases has passed and the current wave is receding. That's good news, especially for the people working in our healthcare system. Our average PCR positivity rate is about 17.5% as compared to approximately 20% last week. Positivity rates have now been decreasing for the past month, which indicates that there is less transmission. And wastewater levels are trending down across the province, including in Calgary and in Edmonton. The two big cities are higher, but the other sites where we monitor are mostly down to a fraction of their recent peak levels. There's still lots of COVID virus around, especially in Edmonton and Calgary, and we can't expect it to go to zero. It remains a real risk, especially to those who are unvaccinated or under-vaccinated. And there is still a lot of people in hospital with COVID. Whether it's the reason they were admitted or not, the precautions that have to be taken mean other beds are blocked and the system's capacity is reduced. But we are turning the corner. The number of COVID-positive patients in hospital is down again and sharply in the past week. The total number of patients in ICU has been around 150 over the past few days, well within the pre-COVID base of 173 beds. And of course, we've recently increased that base to 192 on our way to our target of 223. The total number of non-ICU patients in hospital has also ticked down a bit in recent days. The numbers in the smaller regional sites have dropped faster than in Edmonton and in Calgary, in line with the wastewater data, which shows that the BA2 wave is receding faster in the smaller centres in our province. Total inpatients in the five regional sites are now below numbers in May in the five years before COVID 2015 to 2019. The numbers in Edmonton and Calgary are still very high, as I've noted before, but relief is coming as BA2 levels drop in the big cities as well. It's been a long winter and a long two years for our hospitals and EMS, and they're still under real strain. So I emphasize, we're not just waiting for a break from COVID-19. We're adding capacity across the system as fast as AHS can create new positions and hire into them. Budget 2022 included a $64 million increase for EMS, to fund, among other things, 20 new ambulances in Edmonton and Calgary over two years. Just this morning, I was pleased to announce that AHS is putting 19 of those 20 ambulances on the street this year, five in Edmonton and four in Calgary by the end of June, and five more in each city by the end of September. To do it, they've created 100 new positions and extended 70 temporary ones. That's on top of a net increase of 230 frontline EMS staff in the past two years. The health workforce is under strain after two years of COVID-19, but we are rebuilding that workforce in order to add capacity across the system in EMS, in surgery, in continuing care, and in home care. We promised Albertans a stronger health care system with better access to care, and we take that promise seriously. EMS response times are too long, and we'll keep working at it until we get response times back down to within our targets, where they should be and where they were until volume started to run up last summer. 
In fact, tomorrow we'll be hearing more about steps to address the pressures in the short term from our EMS Advisory Committee. We're taking action and we need Albertans to keep on supporting our healthcare workers by reducing our risk of hospitalization due to COVID wherever possible. That's why we're continuing to make vaccines broadly available along with treatments like Paxlovid. I'm also pleased to provide an update on another product that was recently approved by Health Canada called Evusheld. Evusheld helps to prevent helps to prevent COVID-19 in immunocompromised people for whom vaccination does not provide adequate protection. To be clear, Evusheld is not a treatment for COVID-19. It's given before exposure to help prevent infection in someone who is just unable to amount a full immune response to vaccine. Alberta's clinical experts have reviewed the evidence for this product and have provided a recommendation for its use in Albertans who may benefit from it the most. Starting tomorrow, Evusheld will be available to eligible Albertans who have solid organ or cell transplants or blood cancer or are being treated with specific immunocompromising drugs. Details regarding who is eligible to receive Evusheld are available at www.ahs.ca backslash covid OPT. As this is a very specific group, access to Evisheld at this time will be provided through specialist physicians who treat these patients. Please contact your specialist if you believe Evisheld may be an option for you. It is important to remember that new research is happening all the time and will continue to update Albertans on other advances to help protect them from COVID-19. Few measures in public health can compare with the impact vaccines have had over the years to reduce disease, disability, and death from a variety of infectious diseases. This includes the effectiveness of our COVID-19 vaccine program. As I said many times, the initial COVID-19 vaccine series, as well as are still the most effective prevention tools that we have. They're the, they're the best way to prevent severe illness and death and reduce the need for hospitalization. So please call today to make an appointment or visit a location with vaccines available on a walk-in basis in our province. I'll close there and just add a note on process. We'll continue to provide updated data every week, but we'll be moving these in-person updates to every second week. So the next update will be the week of June the 6th. We'll confirm the exact date as soon as possible based on Dr. Hinshaw's schedule and mine. Thank you, and I now invite Dr. Hinshaw to give her update. Thank you, Minister, and good afternoon, everyone. Between Tuesday, May 17th, and Monday, May 23rd, our PCR test positivity rate ranged from 13.7 to 20.4%, with an average of 17.5% for the week. As Minister Copping mentioned earlier, the number of people in hospital with COVID-19 has decreased from last week. Currently, there are 1,040 people with COVID in hospital, including 31 in the ICU. Sadly, between May 17th and May 23rd, 55 deaths related to COVID-19 were reported to Alberta Health, an average of about eight per day. It is always incredibly difficult to lose someone, no matter the cause. My condolences go out to all those who are grieving the loss of loved ones. Losses like these remind us that COVID is not yet behind us and it can continue to pose a risk to anyone. It will continue to evolve. Two emerging subvariants of Omicron have been receiving attention internationally, BA4 and BA5. Both of these have been identified in several other countries around the world. 
Available evidence suggests these subvariants are more transmissible than earlier versions, which means they can spread more easily once they're in a community. That said, at this time, neither of these subvariants appear to cause an increased risk of severe illness. We identified our first case of BA4 this past week through our ongoing surveillance. The appearance of new variants and subvariants is not surprising. This is what viruses do. As we continue to live with COVID, we can expect to see subvariants and variants emerge. It is important for us to continue to monitor the virus for new or dramatically different behaviors, and we will continue to do so. The tools that have long served us well will continue to help reduce our risk of becoming seriously ill from COVID-19 and limit community transmission. Ensuring you're vaccinated with all of your eligible doses can help protect you against severe outcomes from the disease. It can also reduce the risk of experiencing long COVID after an infection. As we go about our daily activities, we must remain mindful. We can each take simple steps to protect our families, ourselves, and our communities. Everything we've learned to do since COVID came into our lives, such as masking in places like acute care and continuing care settings, and staying home and away from others when sick, will help protect those who are most at risk and limit any possible spread. Thank you, and we're happy to take questions. Thanks, Dr. Hinshaw. I no one here in person, so we'll go to the phone. We'll take the first caller, please. Thank you. The first question is from Kevin Nimick, CTV. Dr. Hinshaw, I'm hoping you can provide an update on the acute juvenile hepatitis cases uh, in this province. Sure. We uh, now have three cases that meet the probable World Health Organization definition, which is to say that other common causes of hepatitis have been ruled out. When uh, the update provided by the federal government was released last week, that third case was added. In the reports that came to us, one of those cases was uh, had been discharged from hospital and two were still in hospital. Uh, but at this time, there are no cases in Alberta that have required significant attention, such as a liver transplant. Thanks, Dr. Hinshaw. Uh, Kevin, a follow-up? Yeah, I I'm wondering if these are being traced at all um, locally in Alberta. I understand that most of the information comes from the federal government in terms of uh, classifying the three uh, youth as uh, having a probable case of this. But what's being done locally to uh, determine emerging outbreaks of this um, uh, disease? The national reporting comes from us. So at the provincial level, we at the ministry work with our partners in Alberta Health Services and through them with frontline physicians who would be treating patients who have these uh, symptoms. And so physicians who see a patient who meets the, the criteria, who have a, a severe case of hepatitis where the more common causes are not diagnosed, would report to their local public health teams and local public health would report to us at the Ministry of Health. Uh, we continually monitor those cases to determine if there are linkages. At this time, no linkages have been identified locally. And then we provide that information to the Public Health Agency of Canada through required national reporting in order to facilitate international reporting, since this is a global issue that's being monitored right now. Thanks, Dr. Hinshaw. We'll take one more call, so we'll go to the second one, please. Thank you, Michelle Belfontaine, CBC. Oh, hi there. Thank you for taking my question. Um, this is a question for Minister Copping. Uh, Minister, my colleague asked you today, uh, earlier today, about the insulin pump town hall 
uh, last week, and I just need to clarify something that you told her. You keep talking about how no one would be left behind by the change. And when you uh, she asked you what, about what you meant by that, you said, we will make sure the program that we deliver ensures that the pumps are affordable and that people have access to it, unquote. So, Minister, I'm wondering, this sounds like the government's intention is to still make most most people pay for these pumps. Can, can you please confirm that? So the, the intent behind that is, is we are still looking at potentially making a change. Uh, but that said, we're not going to leave anyone behind, so make sure that can be affordable. Um, but, uh, you know, this is the first step of consultation the, uh, to get let people understand what our initial thinking was. But now we need to, to go to the next step, which is get more feedback in terms of how it's going to impact individuals. Uh, and then uh, once we get that, then we'll be able to make a decision on how we're going to, the, to uh, move forward. Uh, but the common is that in, regardless of what we do, uh, whether we change the program or not change the program, that's still on the table, um, it's important that you know, we, we know we need to support uh, this community in terms of uh, ensuring that they have access to, uh, uh, to pumps. And that was always the intent of providing a uh, providing um, better access to not only uh, the pumps that are currently being provided but you know uh, n- the new technology that's coming down the uh, coming down the the pipe uh, but also to ensure that you know it, it's affordable to uh, to individuals on you know that that take advantage of this program thanks minister uh, michelle follow up yeah, uh, Minister, you just talked about having access to pi- pumps. But, I mean, having access to pumps is one thing. Having the government pay for those pumps is quite another. And it sounds to me like it's still a possibility that you're gonna, you guys are going to go right ahead with, with, with the, pro- or with the cha- ending the program as previously announced. Yeah, so the whole purpose of doing the consultation, and, and as I indicated to your colleague, uh, we should do this consultation before we actually announce the change, so we're doing it right now. And the whole purpose of the consultation to ensure that everyone can get access to a pump and people aren't going to have to make choices between, you know, uh, paying for groceries and and, uh, and uh, be able to get uh, access to the pump. And it's not just about the pump. It's, it's also about this is part of an overall approach to improve uh, access to support uh, people with diabetes. Um, you know, this is phase three, you know, phase one and two uh, included, you know, better access to uh, testing strips, for example, uh, and it also uh, included uh, for, you know, uh, juvenile uh, continuous glucose monitoring. So, and there's more technology co- that's co- coming down the pipe. To, so, we, you know, we are looking at how do we ensure that people will be able to keep up their pumps? How do we ensure that continues to be f- affordable, which is the purpose of the program, um, and then and be able to manage now and into the future? Thanks, Minister. Uh, We'll wrap it there. Uh, Thanks to everyone who called in, uh, Minister and Dr. Henshaw. And as the Minister noted, in case you missed it, we'll see you uh, back here two weeks from now, uh, and we'll let you know the exact date as soon as we can. Thanks very much. Thank you.